So 2021 was a breakthrough year for crypto. Everyone's been talking about it. We've seen Bitcoin, which is, I guess, the flag bearer for crypto all this while, hit multiple new all-time high prices. Institutions are buying in. The move makes it the first country in the world to officially put Bitcoin on its balance sheet and hold it in reserves. You know, citizens can now, from today, technically use Bitcoin to buy virtually anything. So we're talking a cup of coffee, a haircut. They can also pay their taxes in Bitcoin. Major companies are buying in. Tesla says that they've updated their investment policy to provide them with more flexibility to, are you ready for this, be able to buy Bitcoin. We have invested an aggregate $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Coinbase went public at, what, $80 billion? Hey, Coinbase announcing plans to go public via direct listing today. The cryptocurrency exchange also announcing its revenue has more than doubled in the past year, bringing in more than $1.1 billion in 2020. It's a hot topic not only among investors, but also in like popular culture. That's right, Shikhar. And in this episode of Things Have Changed podcast, we're going to talk to you about the biggest changes in 2021 and how it'll shape the future of cryptocurrencies in modern day society. If you'd known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed, and we're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. So Shikhar, when did you uh, start your crypto portfolio? Um, 2017, early 2017. 2017, God. Yeah, Damn. I heard of okay. it in 2014, thought it was... You've seen how Craigslist is, right? I thought it was the sketchy, <laughs> a more sketchier version of the Craigslist homepage because it was like the only thing people spoke about it was how you could transfer drugs, hard drugs online anonymously with the blockchain. So that's how I was introduced. I didn't participate in that. Just, just, just to put it out there, I did not participate in that kind of illegal activities the so hype. i was very i, I mean, was very was hesitant okay. i was very hesitant what changed your mind in 2017 why did you go into this shit in 2017 that's a good question actually so i, I used to live in uh, la back then yeah as you know really interested in startups l- very interested in new cutting-edge tech and stuff like that and literally every startup was based on the blockchain blockchain this blockchain that back then it was more like okay no more banks this is it we're going to be our own nation state <laughs> stuff like that so you read about def- satoshi nakamoto and you're <laughs> like damn this fool's changing the world okay back then at least in 2017 it felt like a lot of hype okay the promise of the product was really what was getting that first you know huge bubble everyone was talking about it um, so that yeah. kind of got me into it just because um, I used to go and check out these uh, startups pitch. And, you know, there was a consistent theme. Four out of five startups that pitched were about crypto. And yeah, mm-hmm. so that's where I met a couple of people. And then they actually ended up becoming big um, 
uh, fund managers in um, these big uh, blockchain based uh, funds right now but back mm. then they were just starting their journey and just following them they were crazy you thought yeah, they were yeah, crazy yeah. dude <laughs> these, I, I, i'm not joking these guys left like traditional big banks and big law firms to start their own small little venture fund with just money that they scraped from friends and family and now obviously they're on another level which comes to me even though i've been i've kind of been on the fringes of this industry i guess movement Boo, movement <laughs> yes movement okay. uh since 2017 i am not wealthy at all <laughs> the wrong shit you got it shows it shows okay. how okay. i might have placed my bets in slightly wrong a little off, the wrong little off. I was the there. Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for the movement. So that's what I'm gonna, you know, tell my grandkids. Yeah. I was there when it happened. Yeah, granddad, are you, are we, are we rich? And they'll be like, "You obviously weren't there at the right movement." All right, grandpappy. <laughs> no, that's that's interesting. That's interesting because yeah. at the time, I mean, I also heard about the hype, but I I was working in the financial industry, and I was like, nah this ain't real and similar to you like the only thing i heard about it was you know it was really entrenched in in crime but i think one thing is so i just let you know but i just started my crypto portfolio this year yeah, right yeah. which obviously i'm late to the game dog all right all it's these a big deal i remember <laughs> i remember jed was like yo i just uh went in this is it uh, this is how I'm gonna make my money, and then it drops like thirty percent the next day, and it hasn't recovered. It's a winter. It, every yeah. time we talk about it, it drops another ten percent. So Jed it's, is definitely underwater. Is. I'm, He's I'm finding bad. it hard to breathe. I'm bad with this stuff, but you know what was good, dude? What was good was that I was gifted crypto, forcibly gifted crypto. Right. Nice. So actually, when I opened my Coinbase up again to start, quote unquote, investing, I'm really just wasting my money, guys. Um, when I start, when I opened my Coinbase account, there was already balance there from both Bitcoin and Ethereum. Nice. Right. Which was great because I'm pretty sure Ethereum was a conscious purchase. Bitcoin was gifted to me in a Christmas party at the bank that I worked at, which is kind of a wild thing. Anyway, long story short, I actually started paying attention this year. Yeah. Right. And I've made a bit of money from Ethereum and Bitcoin. But what's interesting to me is that me, who's a skeptic, you know, in this space and who worked for the traditional banking institutions and all I spent my time was for the past, I don't know, my entire academic life was, you know, through monetary policy and, you know, really staunchly being against cryptocurrencies, like not against just not so welcoming of this quote unquote the revolution right that, that's coming along for this but this year changed all that right yeah, this year changed yeah. all that even me i'm in it but why what happened <laughs> no definitely like even i'm very skeptical in that sense and that's why it took so long for me to pull the trigger right. but only when i actually started using it and trying to interface with the products being built that's when i felt that there was something there um and 
we had an incredible conversation a couple of months ago with uh, right. Hussein Azari, who's the founder of Seymour, which is a crypto-based company. And you want to really get into the um, weeds of what he's building, what his thoughts are. Extremely smart person. Check that episode out. We'll link it in the show notes mm. because it really gives a lot of context as to what the space is and why is it so important. But it took a few years, right? Twenty. 17 was when that massive hype bubble was you had you know the asset prices just went crazy and then people realized it's all fluff and you know you had that extended bear market where between 2017 and 2020 it was just sad it was really <laughs> bad yeah what bitcoin went to $20,000 and then it dropped down to $3,000 so huge peaks and troughs right which obviously forces people out people don't want to jump into something that is so unstable volatile yeah so looking back i think early 21 late 2020 was when the teams that were working from 2017 on building applications robust applications finally started shipping product like they started shipping True. features yeah. the productization of crypto suddenly there was a product at the end of it and not just fluff right all this while you had um crypto equals to bitcoin as a store of value digital gold you know the prevailing narrative was just bitcoin being the store of value early 2021 what started to happen was people started building on crypto platforms. Like Ethereum, yeah. So there's a term for it called decentralized finance called, or DeFi for short. You're using the blockchain to transact, borrow and lend, able to support thousands of transactions at a given second by people and users across the globe, right? So it's, it's, it's gotten a lot closer to a traditional banking application. The base layer is extremely complex here. The blockchain in itself, Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever, is very complex. But building user-friendly applications on top of it, that was the big unlock early 21, which you know saw huge growth drivers uh, with regards to adoption, as well as price speculation. Theory into practice, basically, is what you're thinking about 2021, what that did. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like we don't want to waste our listeners time with headlines of what happened in 2021. You've probably seen it in the news, Reddit, Facebook, wherever, dude. Like you probably saw all of that activity, all of these companies accepting it as uh, a form of payment. You know, there were governments in 2021, dude, that, that switched to cryptocurrency as a main form of currency. Like what? That's yeah. wild. Yeah. So many things happened in 2021. So yeah, it became mainstream, which I'm sure you've read if you follow crypto at all, right? Um, crypto going into mainstream. So what are a couple of like, what are the highlights of 2021 that you felt like really moved the ball for uh, for crypto? So applications are being made, as you just mentioned, but you know, how did the average consumer figure out, yo, crypto is actually is worth it. First, those those applications, right? So okay. Ethereum kind of blew up where it was a compound maker 
um, Wi-Fi, ZRX, Uniswap, that was a big one. Uniswap is probably the big, big unlock. I think when I look back, uh, Uniswap is mm-hmm. uh, a decentralized exchange. Basically, like say you go on your Fidelity and you exchange mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, your cash for a stock. Uniswap is like that, but you can exchange any token for the other, for another token, as long as it has liquidity. And then suddenly you had these corporations that suddenly realized, oh man, if we don't do something, this is significantly better than what we have. Like Visa got in really early. Um, Venmo, you open Venmo right now, literally has a separate tab for crypto, has payment settlements using crypto, right? So I think that was the start. I think the big, big headline news that turbocharged Bitcoin even more was Elon and going on Twitter and and talking about Tesla and actually acting on it, saying, okay, you know what? We're going to add Bitcoin as part of our balance sheet. That was the first time people suddenly realized, okay, this is the world's richest man, one of the most innovative companies from the last 10 years, suddenly has allocated some amount of money on their balance sheet in Bitcoin crypto. crypto. Yeah. So huge. Those were two like big, big moves with regards to corporations. With regards to the governments, I mean, uh, you had that El Salvador, which was fascinating, where a country accepted Bitcoin as legal tender. So it was the first country to do that. And it's one of the consistent trends that throughout the year 2021 was a lot of developing nations have really embraced it. I'm not talking about the government specifically, but just Mm. the users peer-to-peer, a lot have just gravitated towards this. Like we have this stat and we'll probably link it in our show notes. It's staggering. You have countries like Vietnam, Pakistan, Ukraine, Kenya, Nigeria, Venezuela, like Philippines, um, where Jed is from, India, seeing huge numbers, huge numbers of peer-to-peer exchange using crypto because finally they can they want to first obviously it's a gold rush right they want to get involved in the space but also it's easy for them as long as they have an internet connection they can start transacting and speculating on certain things yeah it was interesting um looking into how developing countries are looking at this as an option like seriously right seriously not just um you know, some meme culture making it into mainstream finance, like seriously thinking about how cryptocurrencies and its appeal can affect developing countries, right? We, we talked quite a lot about it in the previous episode with Hussein Azari, where, you know, we all come from developing countries where we've had a challenging currency growth. Right. And there was this devaluation we were talking about that really affected the way we looked at our own currencies. And so comes Bitcoin, you know, in, in 2008. And, and we're thinking about all these possibilities for this to um, grow and really develop in developing countries. Well, it's actually one of the tools that can pull developing countries out of um, financial inclusion. Because what you just said, right, like it's so much easier for people to get on uh, cryptocurrencies and speculate, for example, versus getting on the stock market. 
You yeah. got to sign a few things, you know, you got to work with a broker yourself because you're not a, you're not a qualified investor, et cetera. Like Robinhood made that a lot easier, let's say, you know, in the Western world. But you look at those developing countries and it's like, that's a huge unlock for them. Just the possibility of it, not saying this will be the ultimate end all for financial inclusion, but, you know, it is a viable solution to that. Yeah. And uh, just to note, I mean, I was born, uh, born and raised in Bangalore, India. Yeah. There's a stat, ridiculous stat. So India has what, 2 billion people or somewhere around that number. Less than 2% of the whole population trade stocks. That's crazy. Wow. And it's all small numbers, right? Obviously, because there are barriers, right? You don't have large sums to to be able to get in. And as a result, you're not participating in the market as much, as much as people over here with 401ks, which are directly invested in whatever the SMP and stuff like that. So this is huge, though, because suddenly with crypto now, it's opened up significantly. My mom and dad, they watch TV, they watch the news and stuff. There are Bitcoin ads, there are blockchain ads. That's wild. Everywhere. I never thought. Yeah. You have Financial Times, Economic Times, the newspapers that come have Bitcoin on them. You saw a commercial with Jason Bourne? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Dude, what? one big, big um, project that actually came from India, which, which was, was so, so impressive, was Matic or Polygon. And it's kind of an Ethereum scaling solution right now. But that grew from nothing to a $15 billion blockchain company. That's fascinating. So like adoption was was interesting to see in the development world, but what really stood out to me, dude, I think was um, the market cap, honestly. Like within one year, the growth of that market cap was ridiculous because I think we started off, gosh, we started off the year with $1 trillion um, in market capitalization for all coins. Right. Um, and I think it took a couple of months from that one trillion to go to three trillion nearing the end of the year. Okay. For market capitalization. Um, and what's wild to me is to think not only multiple transactions had to happen, um, really the overall development of the crypto space had to have been large during this time, right? People just started to learn more about what crypto was. I mean, even for me, like I didn't have to look up, you know, a bunch of stuff to learn about crypto necessarily. Like again, with the ads, with the products coming out of crypto, people are just starting to understand what this is. I mean, similar to the guy who we had on Hassan Azari, right? Like for him as a super duper smart person um, working in the traditional finance space before, it was interesting for us to see that this person who had considered um, traditional finance as his you know, uh, initial career had gone into this, this really um, obscure space that people don't necessarily understand yet, which means there's just such large potential in this space after seeing it grow 3x in this last year, right? Like that's wild. Like a final note on on just now having a product, right? And and the adoption and the transaction volume and stuff. Um, all of us have heard of PayPal, one of the biggest, most innovative money transfer networks created on the internet in the early 2000s, right? Uh, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, um, that whole PayPal mafia 
that that created it. And today, twenty twenty one, as a money transfer network, it transfers almost a trillion dollars, right? Uh, which is significant. It has a volume of a trillion dollars, around trillion nine thirty six billion. Uh, so very significant. Now, PayPal's been around for twenty years. Ethereum is a crypto platform where it went live in twenty fifteen, and in six years, it runs one point six trillion dollars of payments across its platform. So it's already more than PayPal, <laughs> just a platform. And think about it: there are just a maximum of hundred developers working on the system. Yeah. So think about it: how efficient this new technology is unbelievable sometimes when you step back and you think wow this is this is literally the next frontier of technology at least when it comes to like financial markets and financial infrastructure we're seeing the rapid adoption of of cryptocurrency so there will be some things in place some products in place that will make you a lot more comfortable participating in this universe one thing that we talked about a lot was defi decentralized finance right and how this can be a solution uh for inclusive finance in general and um how it can possibly replace banking right so look at those alternative products that are coming out in 2022 and beyond because these are things that will be built on you know um acceptance investments right that have been made in this space um so largely 2021 is the year that we i think have accepted crypto as mainstream so the industry is really only in its infancy and constantly evolving that's a big part of why there's so much volatility what we didn't talk about too much in this episode was regulation Chinese regulators have really cracked down on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And this is a similar theme across the world. Government officials are coming together to understand cryptocurrencies better and how to better regulate them. From wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure that you understand how your local governments are regulating cryptocurrencies before you get into it. But hey, We'll talk more about this in future episodes. For now, don't forget to let us know how we're doing so far and what you'd like to see in the future by going to thingsofchangepodcast.com and hitting the contact us form. We hope this episode was helpful. And don't forget from the THC team, stay curious. Mm-hmm.